Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. There are only a few more nights of sleep left before you wake up on that crisp Sunday fall morning, and we have football. Welcome into Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Bendel. Joining me is Josh Houts, and Josh, it's game week, baby, and I'm going to jump into here right with our question of the week. Josh, for these first two weeks of the regular season, we're looking a little bit ahead here. What would you need to see out of the Miami Dolphins in the first two weeks of the regular season in order to take them as your survivor pick in week three? For those of you at home who don't know what a survivor pick is, each week you pick a team. You can only pick the same team once. So once you use it, it's done. And, you know, you basically just try to survive the season using different teams to be pick the game you're most confident in. So, Josh, for the Dolphins at the Jaguars week three, against the Jaguars, excuse me, in week three, what do you need to see these first two weeks to be comfortable about that team facing a team that is obviously tanking like the Dolphins were uh, just a year ago? Yeah, dude. Damn, you're not kidding. You are ready to jump into this. We didn't even get to tell our <laughs> listeners, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe, whether it's Apple, you know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us those five-star ratings. Give us your reviews. Leave us comments. We love to hear from you. Our DMs are always open. Follow him at jmendel94, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I am at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. But to answer this question, I mean, if you're in a survivor pool, you would probably be very smart to, you know, kind of do this throughout the season and just follow this trend, you know. I think they play Indianapolis week one. I don't know if, about you, but I'm in fantasy leagues. You need a defense week one. I'm going after Indianapolis's defense mm-hmm. because the Jags, like you said, are tanking. So, what would I need to see from the Miami Dolphins? Truthfully, not a lot because I don't have very high expectations for the Jaguars. I do think, like you said, you know, they're tanking. So, I mean, uh, why not? But I, I, I'd have to look at those week three games. I mean, do you have other games up that you, uh, you know, did we look at the NFL schedule in week three to see how that compares to some of the other options? I didn't. I, I didn't look at that. Basically, what I, I'm trying to get at here is because when a sur- you're in a survivor pool, obviously there's two ways you can go about it. Um, you can save the better teams for later in the season, but at the same time, that puts a risk. And I see that Dolphins-Jaguars game right now as a risk. Like, I don't know how confident I'd be because, you know, you could save those good teams for later in the year, but in order to get to later in the year, you need to win, right? So, I mean, when you look at this Dolphins team, obviously we expect progress. We saw it in the second half of last season. So against the Jaguars, I think in these first two weeks, we just need to see some sort of offensive identity. I think if we can see the Dolphins moving the ball up and down the field, I think the defense is going to be fine. I think early in the season, we're going to get into this a little later when we're looking at our key players for this week one matchup against the Patriots. I think the defenses are going to take a couple of weeks to get comfortable, get used to tackling people at live full speed games. But if we can see the Dolphins come out with an offense where, you know, the offensive line with starting a few rookies can get comfortable. They know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is somebody they can trust behind them to, you know, bail them out sometimes. Or when they make a mistake, know that Fitzpatrick's going to be there to trust them. If we see some sort of identity, I do see this as a potential pick in that week three game against the Jaguars. But I mean, if the Dolphins offense comes out concerning these first two weeks, especially against two uh, defensive minded coaches, two defensively, I guess, built teams over the last five years, to say the least, in the Patriots, in the Bills. I think if the Dolphins can do some sort of score or present some sort of threats on offense, especially, you know, when you see guys like Parker and Williams, the potential's through the roof. But as of right now, it is just that potential. And I think that was just kind of a good way to really introduce the season. Um, I think each week we're going to do a question of the week. Josh, you just plugged uh, where you can listen to this podcast, where you can tweet at us. 
Give us your input for this question of the week. I think these are really interesting uh, things. And, you know, they always say you have to talk to as many different people as you can because you're going to start to learn things that you maybe weren't looking at. So we want you guys to be part of the show. We need you guys to be involved because that's what makes our show so strong. And that's what's going to keep us growing moving forward. So let us know about your how you feel about the question of the week. How What would you need to see for the Miami Dolphins to be your survivor pick week three against the Jacksonville Jaguars? I didn't know that's the kind of answer you wanted. I mean, you you went out there and you gave us, you know, this uh, philosopher type thing. And I, I was just looking at it from a pure gambling perspective. And I'm going <laughs> through these week three games and, you know, New England plays Oakland or, or Las Vegas. There, There's a game you might want to bet on, you know, Cleveland at Washington. Really? Uh, Atlanta yeah. at Chicago. You know, like there's these other games that, you know, potentially could have an impact. Eagles, Cincinnati. I mean, there's other games that you could throw out there, but I see what you're saying. I mean, what must the Dolphins do over these first two weeks to build your confidence enough that you're going to say, you know what? It's week three. Who cares about the rest of the year? I'll eliminate myself right here, right now. I believe the Dolphins will beat the Jaguars. I mean, it's going to take a lot for, you know, any, even the the most diehard fan, depending on how much money you have in that survivor pool, you know, what would it take to put all that money, put all those chips and push them all in on the Dolphins and Jaguars? I mean, looking at it right now, I like those odds. You could, you could talk yourself out of it. You know, Gardner Minshew could have a crazy game with DJ Chark, but you know, at the flip side, you know, hopefully Xavier Howard's completely healthy. Hopefully you got Byron Jones there. The Dolphins have struggled against the run for years. Who's the Jacksonville running back? Someone's probably screaming it into the, you know, into the radio or whatever, however they're listening to this podcast. But I mean, it's not Leonard Fournette. That is the right answer. It doesn't matter who it is. It's not Leonard Fournette. Um, Niners, Giants. Niners, Giants. There's another one. Niners, Giants. That's probably the most interesting one because, I mean, Oakland against New England. We're going to learn a lot about this New England team. I think Oakland's going to be a team that can win at least seven games just on that running game alone. I just, you know. I, th- I the think Jaguars, we can, go ahead. I think sorry. we can agree though. Don't you don't you think the Dolphins I mean I think I like what your where your head's at with this. I mean if there was any game on the Dolphins roster this year that you would, you know, that would be your survivor this pick would one be, it. be the Jack. Yeah, I think you're right. So especially early in the season if you can get a survivor out of the way using the Dolphins, I think the Jags are going to be a team you kind of look at all year of who they're facing, can we use them in survivor? And like the the key is I think what makes it so interesting is yes the Jaguars are going to quote unquote be tanking but the Dolphins showed us it last year and we can credit a lot of that to Brian Flores and I don't saying I'm not saying the Jaguars would do the same thing but no weeks given in the NFL, right? Week 17 the New England Patriots needed to win to get a bye week. They couldn't do it against the Dolphins, right? A tanking Dolphins team that was at the bottom of the barrel in terms of roster players. So there is this huge level of unrest, but I think if the Dolphins come out and show clean football on both sides of the ball in these first two weeks, I, again, I always feel nervous picking the Dolphins for anything. It's just their track record. But I would be feeling kind of good about, hey, Jaguars week three. I think the Dolphins are going to clean up here. I think we have a coach who's going to not play down to his competition, as we saw for years under Joe Philbin, as we saw under Adam Gase. I think we're going to see a guy who can go out and put his team in a position to, hey, this is our game to win. We're going to take it. Move on to the next week. I'm ready to run through a wall. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm with you. Let's do it. All in. Push all in. Dolphins, Jags. Couple couple notes around the league here. Basically only one in an opinion. Josh Rosen signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Bruce Arians threw out a quote. Uh, it was an excellent move. Josh wanted to be here. He said to the Tampa Bay Times, we wanted him here. I really liked him coming out of college. Uh, Byron had him on for eight and nine games as a starter. Uh, Byron, oh my God, I wanted to say my, Maxwell. It's bad. Um, That's your boy. Netflix. You always want to bring him up. You always, <laughs> it's the only Byron you love. He Number one in your heart. He really is Byron Maxwell uh, fan, fan clubs. I, we need by to me. get you a jersey. Someone needs to get you a jersey. <laughs> Uh, Byron Maxwell, uh, former quarterback. He was the offensive coordinator in Arizona. Leftwich, Byron uh, Leftwich. You did. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't listen to a thing I think I say for the rest of this podcast because I'm just a mess. Um, he had him for eight to nine games as a starter with a really bad football team. He was around Miami. He learned. He's sharp. He's big. He's got everything you're looking for. So it's a great guy to groom. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hope Josh Rosen uh, does the best. I mean, just history isn't on his side. Yes, you can argue that he hasn't been in the right scenario to succeed. And let's be honest here. At least half the players who come in the NFL are put in the wrong situations to succeed. We could look back to even Deion Jordan about all the what ifs with him 
with the Joe Philbin coaching staff, if he was on a more successful team, if he had Brian Flores as a head coach, if things could have been different. And these are all just what ifs, but you know, you, you hope Josh Rosen the best, you wish he plays well, but at the same time, I mean, it is what it is. You understand the move. And um, if Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, isn't the right people to groom him, you have to wonder if there's going to be a right spot for him. I think I was, I mean, I admittedly was very high on Josh Rosen. I liked the trade. I liked everything about it. Uh, you know, I was a little bit hesitant when they when they made this move. But you understand it, like you said. Um, but it really comes down to this. If he can't develop, you know, under Bruce Arians, under Byron Leftwich, one of the, you know, better young offensive minds. In, under Byron Maxwell, one of the best young offensive minds in, in, the, in the NFL. And, of course, Tom Brady. I mean, Josh Rosen, you know, might never develop then if he, if he can't get it together now. So, I like this move for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Again, I kind of wish he would have stuck around with the Dolphins, but it is what it is. Time to move on, and that's exactly what we're going to do as we look ahead to the New England Patriots. Absolutely, absolutely. One more thing I wanted to mention as I was scrolling that NFL website today, just kind of looking at the top headlines. We see Jalen Ramsey just got uh, paid. He's going to be the high, paid big $21 mil a year over the next five. He becomes the highest paid cornerback. So Which I is, think that, you know, I think that makes Byron Jones number three, and then I think Xavier Howard would be number four then, because I think Slay is higher than Byron Jones. Yeah, could be wrong right. with that. Okay, that's good. Wh- that's why you know it's so easy to knee jerk uh, react to these deals, and I mean it's something we do. I mean, like there's no reason to not do it, but at the same time, it's so uh, manipulative how fast the market changes on how we see these guys get paid. So, I mean, the moral of the story is the faster you make your guy the highest paid guy in the league, the better, because it's only a matter of time till someone one ups him and the contracts just keep going up and up and up from there. So, I mean, if we're going to, I don't know, I might be going a little too deep in this here, but I mean, when you're looking at the Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungvaloa draft class, when they're ready for their second contract, you kind of hope that the Dolphins have their deal out of the way first. Just for the sake of, hey, something we don't have to worry about. Joe Burrow gets paid more. Justin Herbert might even get paid more looking in the future. But that's just kind of an example of how things might go. Josh, I want to ask you, did you watch a single episode of Hard Knocks? Because they were wrapping that up on the NFL website. And, man, I did not. I love the music. I love the intensity. It really gets me hyped for football season. But I didn't watch a single episode this year. Yeah, real quick, going back to the, the Tua thing, I don't know if you saw, but they released you know some pictures of him. He's in his full uniform, and mm-hmm. I mean, after seeing that, I, I say we just sign him right now so we can avoid <laughs> the whole Patrick Mahomes thing. Just just Next. lock him up long term, give him another four year extension. But but I'm with you, man. Like, I was kind of excited for Hard Knocks. I mean, I get this way every year, but I think the only one I truly sat down and like really got into and really watched religiously was the Dolphins one, obviously. So I'm mm-hmm. with you. I have not watched a single episode. Absolutely love that music. You know, nothing makes you want to run through a wall other than maybe Brian Flores more than that. Bam, 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 bam. And you see these guys like sweating and, you know, Ted Karras has his, his butt towel and you don't know <laughs> what's going on. I mean, football's back, man, and I, I just can't believe it, but I did not watch a single episode of Hard Knocks this year. All righty, Josh. I think it's time. Let's oh. get into it. Week Game one. Week. Dolphins versus the Patriots in Foxborough. Patriots are currently favored by six and a half points. And truthfully, I like a spread that big, especially early in the season. I think a lot of these games are going to be close. I'm going to mention it again later. I don't think this game is going to end in a blowout either way. Um, I would take the Dolphins in that. And that's going to segue into my mindset here. It's time to get hyped, Joshua. I understand remaining objective, and that's something I think we do very well. We will cool it on whoever uh, you know might not be playing well. We aren't going to make excuses. We're going to hopefully say it is what it is. But going into a game, if you're not expecting or hoping or trying to talk yourself into your team winning, are you really a team or a fan of that football team? I mean, last year, week one, I was talking myself into the Dolphins beating the Ravens. I was laughing at that after it was fifty-nine to ten, but. That's what you do as a fan. That's what we're going to do today. And I am jacked about it. I'm ready to tell you why the Dolphins are going to beat the Patriots. Um, I think that's really where we have to start this conversation is, Josh, how are you feeling? Just general umbrella feelings of the Dolphins versus the Patriots. I mean, I'm with you. I'm I'm completely just taken back by the fact that it is now, you know, tomorrow night the the Chiefs are – or opening the season against the Texans, and then you know four days from then or four days from today, we're going to be playing the New England Patriots again in Foxborough. Remember, we remember what happened last season, Week 17. Dolphins knocked them off, 27-24, knocked them out of home field advantage. Ryan Tannehill did his thing. Um, Ryan Tannehill, dude, yeah, Ryan Ryan Tannehill <laughs> did his thing in the playoffs. I'm sorry, he he knocked them out of the playoffs. That's what I was insinuating there. You remember gotcha, Ryan gotcha. Tannehill 
yeah, took took out the Patriots. But uh, I mean, Maxwell. I just yeah, Byron Maxwell came in and, and made that <laughs> game saving interception there in, in the red zone. But uh, f- for real, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm jacked up. I just think that with so much uncertainty in the 2020 season, why can't the Dolphins do it? And we know that they had one of the most impressive off seasons. Spent all that money, used all that draft ammunition. I'm excited to see the way this all plays out because, you know, whether they improve dramatically from those five wins last year, at the end of the day, you know, this is going to be the future of the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, we keep saying 2020 is just kind of the hors d'oeuvre or the appetizer to what 2021 entails and what the future entails. But I'm excited because just like every team in the NFL, everyone's uh, zero and zero and the Dolphins go up there. You know, if they can knock off the Patriots week one in Foxborough, that would be two wins back to back for Brian Flores. And, you know, with Tom Brady out of the AFC East, it's wide open for anyone. And that's kind of the key here. Like, by by the middle of the season, I'm not saying we could be sour, but we're going to have a different perspective of where this team's going. As of right now, I mean, we see the Miami Heat just knocked off to the one seed, you know, uh, in basketball. I'm sorry to, you know, bring up another sport here, but with everything going on, I mean, there's no way you can look at past seasons or, or current projections based on past seasons and really have an understanding of how the season is going to go. I mean, having someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is just a seasoned veteran with all those rookies out there. I mean, we could see some growth really, really develop very quickly for this team with how, you know, there's not that crowd noise. There's all these players aren't going to really be as confused as concerned, especially when you have someone like Fitzpatrick back there. I think that's so key. Uh, something that isn't being talked about. I mean, if two was back there and he's stressing week one, what does that do for, you know, the Solomon Kinley's and the Austin Jackson's of the world? If it's Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of laughing, you know, all right, this is what you got to do instead. I think that is such a huge, huge difference, especially this year where listen, New England's a tough matchup. Buffalo's a tough matchup. San Fran, another team they have to face early, is a tough matchup. If the Dolphins can like finagle a three and two record early, we saw how what they do later in the season, where they can really turn it on, where the coaching staff can really, really step up and impress. So you have to wonder, you know, the Dolphins have a shot here. The Dolphins truly have a shot here, but we'll get more to that later. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Give us your thoughts at HOUTZ, at JMendel94 on Twitter. Uh, because we're going to bring up a couple questions here, and we really would like to hear your feedback. If you're joining the podcast, you can leave us a five-star review. Give us your comments. We try to read those often as, as much as we can. Granted, you know, we were slacking when we did our first ones last week. But one thing we've heard all this, you know, training camp, I guess, is that defensive coaches are preaching the importance of keeping different players fresh. In order to do that, some players will need to have large roles in any given week. Each week, we'll give you one player who we believe might have a larger wor- workload than, you know, their average in a given week. Um, for me, again, at HOUTZ, at JMendel94, let us know one player who you think is going to have a big workload this week. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a great game, but definitely could. And that's why I'm going to go with Jordan Howard. Uh, the New England Patriots allowed 15.1 fantasy points per game to running backs in, ni- in 2019. That is not great. I'm going to start by saying that is not great, and that's something we should be concerned about. However, Jordan Howard has the second most 100-yard rushing game since 2016. Zeke is first at 26. Howard has 14. Mark Ingram has 13. Something that all these guys have in common is they're kind of those bell cow running backs who need a lot of opportunities. They're not going to get, you know, three 17-yard carries that really bump up their average. These guys can just pound it on the ground. Jordan is one of five players in the NFL with at least six rushing touchdowns in in four of the in each of the last four seasons. Excuse me. Another thing about that is obviously they're going to be young guys who have that because durability is an issue and things like that. I know how we're going to talk about for this whole season how Breida and Howard are going to be one A and one B, but week one with a limited preseason. I think you have to feed Howard. I mentioned it at the top how players need to be used to tackling people at live speed. You want to get the confidence of those young offensive linemen rising? Have them go out there and just hitting people. Have them creating holes instead of having to stay stagnant and really block for a quarterback. If you feed a veteran like Howard, he knows how to run the ball. His vision is incredible. Danny Shelton, gone. Trey Flowers, gone. Donta Hightower and Patrick Chung aren't playing this season. Kyle Van Noy, gone. Howard has never gone over 82 yards on opening day, and I think that changes on Sunday. I think with the young offensive line, you give them all the confidence in the world as they see Howard get these six- and seven-yard runs on first down that really just opens up the offense. It lets the defense really fall back on their heels, 
And let's feed Howard. I think it just makes a lot of sense. I know Brita is an option, but I think Belichick's the type of guy who's going to try to stop what everyone can do. But you know what? The running game, you got to keep feeding it. You got to really let it run wild. Howard, the 25-year-old veteran, he's younger than me. Let him make all the plays. That is who I think will have the heavy workload in week one for the Miami Dolphins. Where are you feeling, Josh? I absolutely love where your head at. And I just want to go back, you know, one step to what you mentioned with just Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, how long he's been a part of the NFL, 17-season vet. You know, it's Changeli's offense. You know, if a rookie or, or one of these players doesn't understand something in the huddle, he can help them along because he knows this offense so well. So I think you're right. It's going to pay huge dividends throughout the season. I think the Dolphins have as good as anyone's chance uh, against the Patriots. The player that sticks out to me, and I'd love to go with a Devontae Parker or Preston Williams, you know, because Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson, and we know how everyone wants to talk about that matchup between Gilmore and uh, Parker, and, you know, we know how much Fitzpatrick loved to feed Preston Williams early on in his rookie season. But I think you're right. we got to stick with the run game. And I think we saw yesterday the Dolphins were bringing in these different players for workouts. And I don't know if you saw, but every single one of them was an offensive lineman. You know, we keep hearing the the way that the Patriots kind of took that took that hit defensively. You, you mentioned the players they lost. We know the Dolphins took a couple of them. The Dolphins need to attack that. And we know they have this young offensive line. But to me, yes, they're young. Yes, they're unproven. But you can't tell me they're as bad as that 32nd ranked unit last season. I mean, I just don't see that. And you can sit here and you can go back and forth between Howard and Breida, or, you know, you could even throw in a Gaskins or, or, you know, maybe a a Malcolm Perry or a Limbaudin. I think it's going to come down, like you said, to the thunder and lightning between Howard and Breida. You went with Howard. I can't really piggyback that. So I'll go with Breida. I think to me, he's the more explosive of the two backs. I think, you know, he can make an impact in the run game. And you mentioned or in the passing game, and you mentioned the hits that the Patriots took defensively, especially in that linebacking unit. Who's going mm-hmm. to cover Breed out of the backfield? I mean, Jordan Howard can be a capable back. I mean, the Dolphins have, you know, a decently talented wide receiver core, but who's going to cover Matt Breed on that field? You know, if he comes out and, and motions into the slot or he comes out of the backfield, I don't know who's going to do it. And then you have him and, you know, he's going to be that change of pace back. All it takes is him bouncing one to the outside or breaking off that big run because we know he's the fastest player in the NFL with his 22.3 miles per hour. Um, all it takes is him breaking off one of those to, to, you know, be that back that Chan Gailey and Brian Flores start to start to feed more and give those opportunities to. So to me, I think you can go either way. No one truly knows except for maybe some of those guys that were watching the Dolphins camp, you know, vigorously down there in South Florida. We didn't get a watch camp. You know, we don't know which one of these guys this team's going to favor. We do know they're going to come out. They're going to try to run that football. And I have notes here. You know, they're going to come out here and they're going to do hopefully what they did, you know, back in 2008. I think Breed is going to have a big game. You went with Jordan Howard. I go with Matt Breida. I think we can both agree the Dolphins run game is set and should have a big day against the Patriots on Sunday. And if they do, I think that is the biggest key to the success, at least offensively, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I completely agree. I, you know, the way I look at it, when in terms of X's and O's, I think Belichick's going to kind of set up the scheme to really try to negate the uh, dump offs to Brita and let him kind of run wild um, after making the catch. That's why I kind of thought that keeping the ball on the ground, where you know you you can scheme against it, but it comes down to having to make a play. It's about everyone executing, hitting the right holes, and that's the only reason I went with Howard. But I completely agree, and you know. The thing to keep in mind here is I think if you can really gauge and understand which running back is going to have a stronger week, that could be the difference maker in a fantasy league. That could be the difference maker on a fan duel if you're trying to win big. Um, and I think it'd be the difference maker for the Miami Dolphins every Sunday about who really steps up for that running back crew. And I think it's going to be also important to not really get caught up on it every single week. I think both of these running backs are incredibly capable on any given week to really be the, the main focus. I think, you know, they mentioned one a 1B and that kind of makes it sound like uh, one will play 45% of the snaps, the other will play 45%, and then you'll get the Gaskin for 10% or Laird for 20 or uh, 10%, and that there there you go for your 100% reason to remember the name. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily gonna look like that from a week to week basis, even though that might be the general year average. I think um, we'll have Howard weeks, we'll have Brito weeks. I think that's truly how it's gonna go. And um, you can't really focus on one week, the previous week, to say, hey, this is how it went. This is how this next week's going to go. So keep that in mind um, as we move forward. Also, we're going to go through some season first now for you guys. We want to hear yours. I mentioned it at Houts, at JMetal94. Let us know how you feel about who's going to be get these first for the Miami Dolphins this season. Let us know what you think. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. It's week one, baby. Let's get into it. Season first, the first sack of the NFL season for the Miami Dolphins. We know the last couple of years they've really, really struggled as a defense. They've struggled as a pass rush. Going back to the Cameron Wake, who's actually still a free agent, would not mind him just coming and, and being just even a Udonis Haslam type who barely plays, but just that culture, that work ethic. But, I mean, it's a new time in Miami. I get that. So first sack of the NFL season for the Miami Dolphins. Cam Newton, he is a very tall, strong guy, hard to tackle. That's why I want to go with Emmanuel Agba. I wanted to say that there'd be a linebacker to do this, but Agba has the length. He has the strength to really pull down someone like a Cam Newton. I think it just seems like a match made in in heaven for him after getting that strong contract from the Dolphins. After having a pretty strong preseason, all things considered, I think he seems like a good choice to really go up there. I'm not saying he's going to go off for a couple sacks, but I think that first sack of the season might come off a blitz and Agua will be the one to actually pull Newton to the ground. Yeah, I like that. And I do think that, you know, that would definitely bode well for the Dolphins who have struggled mightily to get to the quarterback, like you said, in recent years. I mean, last season, Taco Charlton led the team with five sacks. So, I mean, that says all you need to know about how poor the Dolphins were at getting pressure on the quarterback. You mentioned Emmanuel Agba, you know, a new pass rusher from free agency. I really want to go with Shaq Lawson, my boy, but mm-hmm. I went with linebacker. You mentioned how you kind of steered away from that. I'm going to go with Kyle Van Noy. He's back in Foxborough. What better way to welcome himself back against his old team? You know, they didn't give him that contract that the Dolphins did. You know, they let him walk in free agency. Why not go up there? You know, it's third and seven, third and eight. The Dolphins run a little stunt there with Jerome Baker. Kyle Van Noy loops around, gets to Cam Newton, brings him to the ground, punt unit comes on. That's how I picture going down in my head. First sack of the year, Kyle Van Noy, welcome to Miami. And, you know, that that's kind of the thing. We're saying different people here, but the way they get it done is exactly the same. I, I We know how much Brian Flores loves to blitz linebackers. And, you know, in that 3-4 defense, you kind of have, you know, last year it was Vince Beagle, Andrew Van Ginkle at the end of the year. You're just used to seeing that blonde hair fly in towards the, uh, the trenches. And I think that's truly how they're going to get it done. I think they have a lot of those flexible pieces. And generally speaking, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to – give us both participation trophies. I think these are both great choices. I think it's really good uh, possibility. I think they're both strong enough to pull down someone like new. And I think they're going to try to pressure them early, especially with a hurt run game. Um, what, uh, Sony Michelle struggled with injuries. Uh, Damian Harris, is that his name? Another yep. guy struggling with injuries, that offensive line lost Ted Caress. You have to wonder what type of shape they're going to be in, especially their first, you know, player on player action. Uh, moving on. First touchdown of the season. It seems like, you know, this was like Adam Gase issue, but it's something the Dolphins did last year in a different way. They really didn't run the ball inside the 10-yard line. What they did instead was they passed. They passed to their running backs. They passed to their slot receivers, and they get to work. That's why I think Jordan Howard is going to be the first guy to score a touchdown for the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if it's going to be in the running game. I could see it definitely being some play action, dump off, you know, roll out to the right or Fitzpatrick's chugging along. Everyone knows how capable he is a runner, leading the team in rushing. I think that it's going to be a rollout. Everyone's going to bite to, a, you know, a Ryan Fitzpatrick going for the end zone, and he's going to dump it to Howard, who's going to be wide, wide open all alone for that first touchdown of the season. I know he's not the passing back, but that's exactly why he's going to be one to get it done. I have a feeling he might be the first guy to score the touchdown of the 2020 season. Okay, I'm going to go a little out of the box here. And I mean, I could Love sit it. here and say maybe Jakeem Christian Grant Wilkins. returns. I guess, yeah, I could say maybe Jakeem Grant returns a touchdown or, you know, Christian Wilkins lines up at fullback and Landon Roberts throws him a touchdown pass or something like that. I'm going to – I could also mention Breida. I really wanted to go Breida or, you know, Devontae Parker and Gilmore. But I'm going to I'm gonna double up here and I'm going to lead into the next one. And I'm going to go with a Bobby McCain pick six. So oh, the next like question it. is interception. I mean, I had Bobby McCain down for an interception. I know I was a little bit hesitant for him being there at free safety, but it sounds like the Dolphins love Bobby McCain. You know, he's a leader on that roster. 
why not Bobby McCain pick six? That's the way I see it going down. So I could have won other ways. I don't know if in my heart I truly, you know, believe this is going to happen, but but why not Bobby McCain pick six to start the game? Josh, I'm going to have to give us both another participation trophy on this one, and, and here's why. I went with Eric Rowe. We know he had the pick six last year, and, you know, I think what makes Cam Newton such a great fit in New England is he's a lot more like Tom Brady, as we're going to admit. And before you kind of try to hit me over the back of the head, let, let me explain here. Uh, per Next Generation Stats, NFL's Next Generation Stats, 92.3% of Cam Newton's pass attempts have come from inside the tackle box since 2016. Only Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady have thrown more often from inside the box active quarterback among active quarterbacks since 2016. I think with a Patriots offense that has... A lot of questions. I mean, they signed, they traded a second-round pick for Mohamed Sadu and then cut him in training camp. Julian Edelman, we know what he brings to the table. Nikhil Harry is still a question mark. Uh, you have to see what he can do. I think this offense is really going to try to dink and dunk over the middle as much as possible. And that's why, you know, Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, those guys who are going to jump a pass. We saw Eric Rowe do that last year, as I just mentioned. I think both of these guys are great candidates because you have to go where the ball is going. I don't know if, you know, Byron Jones is really going to be picked on a lot, you know, especially with Julian Edelman being your star wide receiver. You're going to have Kyle Van Noy over the middle. You're going to have Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe over the middle trying to break up these passes. And I think it'd be, it'd make a lot of sense. You know, you're not used to the bang, bang of, you know, the, the live action game. Cam Newton hasn't played in a while. Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, I think those are two great choices. But like I said, I think I'm going to go Eric Rowe. I think back in New England again, I think these expatriate players really love to play there. I think not having those fans there are actually going to help these expatriates even more, just knowing they're in their stopping grounds and they don't have to listen to that crowd. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I completely agree. And I, th- I think that's the way, you know, we keep giving each other participation awards it's because we just don't want to you know make each other upset because we have to do this the <laughs> entire season it's already been a long enough off season we're just trying to to get through this one step at a time um the next one you have on this list it's a very interesting one gain of 20 plus yards and i see what you have here i, I love that i'll let you talk about that in a second but i'm going back to matt Breida, and i mean you can see a pattern here i think that he is that I keep you don't want to keep saying Reggie Bush, but like that's kind of what I continue to envision. What Reggie sure. Bush was to the Dolphins, you know, many years ago, he he was the back that some people expected he could be out of college. And I think, you know, Matt Breed doesn't have to be that because they do have Jordan Howard. They do have these other pieces. But I think all it takes is that one, you know, that that screen. And, it, you know, it's it's third and ten or and the Dolphins just catch him off mm-hmm. over the screen. 20 plus yards down the field or you know it's a it's a toss outside all it takes is him making one defender miss and anything could happen so I'm doing it based on the fact that I think he's going to see some touches you know what 10 15 touches um week one perhaps and then you know all it takes is him bumping one of those outside for that big gain so I'll go with Matt Burita you know and we'll say it, it is a halfback screen 20 plus yards who do you got first play of the, uh you know first big gain of the game 20 plus yards it, it's great because the the how we're, we're both doing it the same exact way. It's just the who that we have differently here. And I'm going with Preston Williams because I think it's going to, you know, there's going to be hiccups, right? I think the Dolphins are going to find themselves in a third to seven and, or a third and 12 even following, you know, false start, whatever it may be. And you have to think about it this way. Like, Brian, or Brian Fitzpatrick had a strong year last year because of his playmaking ability. And a lot of that leaned on Devontae Parker. I think that with Gilmore on Parker, yes, it's a matchup we want to see. Um, we want to make more photoshops of Parker holding Gilmore as a child. Don't get me wrong. We want to see the Uncle Vante meme with Gil- him patting Gilmore on the head. Let's be honest here. But I think you pick on that number two cornerback in New England on a third and 12 where maybe they're a little more lax. You have Preston Williams, 15, 17 yards down the field. He makes a play, goes for 20, 25 yards. I really think that will be how the Dolphins get it done. Like I said, I mean, I don't think this is going to be a team, especially in week one, who they're hit firing on first down. I'd love to see it. Hell, maybe they will with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't really see that. It's how they're really taking advantage of that Patriot defense. I think it's going to be, like you said, a third and seven, something like that, where the Dolphins just try to be aggressive, move the ball down the field, maybe get into field goal range. Um, I could see Preston Williams doing it through the air. Again, Matt Breida, I, I really like that choice too, and these questions are going to become more difficult as the season goes on as we start to really discover the identity of this team. And that that's kind of what makes it exciting. Uh, that's what we have 
Let us know, who do you guys have getting the first sack of the season, the first touchdown, interception, and gain of 20-plus yards? We're interested to hear your thoughts. There's, I'm sure there's a bunch of players we missed. I'd love to see a Mike Jacecki right down the middle, shooting down the thread. Uh, Josh, before we do our final game thoughts here, I'm going to set a timer here. And what we're going to do is, you know, we all we both live in a unique situation where we do not live in Miami. We are not surrounded by Dolphin fans. So we have to kind of try to sell our friends on the team, why we think they're going to be pretty good, why we think they're at least going to be in the hunt. And they kind of, for my friends, they kind of have the idea that the Dolphins are going to be a bottom eight team. And that's understandable. They won five games last year. And we saw this year as an appetizer going in, as you mentioned it, to next year where things should really, really start to progress. So, Josh, I'm going to give you two minutes on the clock starting right after I finish the sentence. Sell me on the Miami Dolphins in 2020 and go. Okay. First, they got Brian Flores. We saw what he did with the roster last year. You know, five wins, pretty much brought in a bunch of unknowns, overturned that roster more than anyone else. The coach is in place. Then you look at what they did this offseason. They spent a ton of money, 11 draft picks, to a ton of Iloa. They upgraded the offensive line with all those young rookies, Kinley, uh, Jackson, Hunt, you know, and then they brought in. The, the veteran free agents, the the Carras, the Flowers, the Lawson, Agba, Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones. They got one of the best secondaries in football. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Noah Igbenogany, you know, Eric Rowe, uh, Bobby McCain. And then you got that defense. The Dolphins, I feel like they are just, I don't, like like you said, I think this is the year where it's kind of just, they're going through the motion. I, I don't want to say that this is kind of like a preseason, but this year it's going to get them ready for next year when Tua Tungvaloa comes in. And, I, I mean, how can you not love Tua Tungvaloa? He's the Dolphins quarterback of the future. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick, 17-year vet. Everyone wants to go to war with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just look at his beautiful beard. He's going to go out there. He's going to run Shan Gailey's offense as well as anyone. I got, I got a minute left? Yep. Um, what what the hell am I supposed to talk about? I mean, let, let's not forget, the, the Dolphins – who has a better throwback jersey than the Miami Dolphins? You know they're going to wear those <laughs> throughout it. the year. They're absolutely beautiful. They're going to be donning the Don Shula patch. Everything, I mean, we miss you, Don. Respect to you. But the Dolphins are going to be playing for this man. They're going to go out there. It's, it's you know, it's their chance. They have as good as chance as anyone. Divisions, wi- divisions wide open. Uh, I think they beat the Dol- I think they beat the Patriots week one, and that just starts it. Dolphins go. I'm going to say 10-6 and six right now. That's that. <laughs> be a Dolphins fan. Tua Tonvaloa. I hope it did okay there. <laughs> and you threw the last five seconds in the trash. I love it. I love right it a lot. The trash. All right, so uh, I'm going to follow it up. Just two minutes on the clock, and here we go. Josh, I think when you look at this team, and I keep making these comparisons, and they were actually, you know, talked about a little bit together recently, and that's Eric Spolstra and Brian Flores. And they both have a lot of respect for each other. I love the identity both bring. It's a specific culture. Um, when when uh, the Dolphins brought in the uh, running back, the receiver from uh, Oakland, uh, Bowden, I can't remember his first name, uh, there was concerns about him, you know, being a bad influence in Las Vegas, yada, yada, yada. I don't have those concerns in Miami because of Brian Flores. What I saw last year is a man we can trust to lead this franchise, a man who is going to put his players in the best situation to win, no matter how good they are, no matter who they are, he's always going to have their back. So when I see these offseason moves, you bring in Kyle Van Noy. I'm only going to talk about the defense here because the offense is a work in progress. I think everybody knows that. Byron Jones, Byron Maxwell, Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba. These are the type of guys that Brian Flores needs for his system. Last year, the Brian Flores was putting whoever he could into that starting lineup. This year, he was able to go out, pick and choose the guys he wanted, the guys he believes he could have success with. And that's the reason I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be such a strong team. Because for years, we had Dodamakon Sue. For years, we had Cabard Wake. Olivier Vernon. We had strong defensive players, Rashad Jones, and the Dolphins could not get it done. That is because of coaching. That is because of scheme. You don't need stars, big top five players, to have a strong defense. The Dolphins are going to be good in 2020 is because they have a well-rounded defense where they have guys like Raekwon Davis, uh, Brandon Jones, who are going to come in and play strong snaps, uh, Igbenogany, another one, guys who are going to come in when the Dolphins are hurt and keep this defense at a high level. And that's why I'm going to tell you the Dolphins are going to at least be in the hunt, and they're going to shoot for that 10-6 and record because that defense is going to be a consistent threat throughout the year, and that's a minute and 58. And Josh... It's hard not to love this defense. It's hard, so hard not to trust Brian Flores. This team, this culture is something we've been wanting in Miami for so long. We remember hearing, again, this is just kind of broad talking. I, the pitch is over. 
But I mean, we remember hearing about those mining camps Shula would put those guys through about how they joke about how rarely they would get water. And, you know, now that's kind of, you know, very dangerous. Don't do that. Drink your water. But the point of the thing is this is going to be a hard nosed football team. This is a team that I mentioned that thing at the beginning of the show where how what we need to see out of this team to take them against Jacksonville in week three. It's going to be that there's going to be a foundation. There's going to be a floor on this team where anything beneath it is inexcusable. There aren't going to be these, you know, three straight false start calls where it's all of a sudden third and 25. Those things aren't going to happen with this team because that's what Brian Flores sold us on last year. He sold us on a well-disciplined team who, once he gets his own players, are going to be on a whole new level, something we have not seen in Miami in such a long time. And if that doesn't happen, again— We've got we've sold been sold on guys in their first year in years past. The first year under Joe Philbin looked pretty good, and then the big off season we thought this was going to be it. Adam Gase made the playoffs in his first season. So did Tony Sprano. If these guys, if all these signings don't play on that floor, if they don't have that consistent level that Brian Flores has established, that culture in Miami, that TNT wall, he's not going to be the guy for the Miami Dolphins. However, I'm sold. I am in. I think he can be the stone cold Brian Flores, as you like to call him. I think that's why this is the right system. This is the right culture, culture, excuse me, where the Dolphins can really, really have a strong season. And Josh, I got to say, man, two minutes. I'm a little disappointed you not mentioned Tua as much as you did. Yeah, I tried. I tried to scale back a little bit, and I should. I should have something prepared because your, yours was great. For me, I, I mean, you mentioned all those coaches that we've had, and we know we've all been sold before on the Adam Gases and the Philbins of the world. But I think we can all agree something just feels different about Brian Flores. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if it's from his makeup as, you know, everything he's been through to get to where he is or if it's, you know, all the time he spent in one of, let's be honest, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest dynasty in, you know, NFL history. So it, it's he's, he learned from one of the greatest and he's bringing everything that he learned, and you can see it all kind of transforming down here. You hate to say culture, but you just see it starting to to build from Miami, and he's bringing in his guys. You know, I think they doubled their captains from last year, and I think that shows you everything about how this Dolphins team is slowly progressing because last year, again, we mentioned it time and time again, they were they were signing guys off the streets and throwing them in the roster. 80-plus guys, they were just overturning them. This year, you know, I mean, they completely revamped this team into the face of and just embodying of what this coach entails. And you got to love what they're building. Yes, we should scale back our expectations a little bit because we've been hurt before. But I feel as good as ever about Brian Flores as the next head coach or as the, the next great Dolphins head coach. And I feel great that Tua Tungavailoa is going to be that quarterback right next to him. So they got tons of pieces in place. They got a lot of young players. We have to mention, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is well beyond the oldest player on this team. I mean, this is a young Over roster. Nine and years. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, he's like 3,000 years old, and all it takes is his whole roster just coming together. You know, we mentioned all the, the different pieces they brought in. Why not the Miami Dolphins? Whatever happens in 2020 is just, you know, that one block, that one stepping stone into 2021 when I believe the Dolphins truly contend not only for the AFC East, but a real chance, you know, to, to make some moves in the playoffs. I'm just, I mean... I, I bring up these comparisons a lot, but I mean, I think you just have to. I mean, when you look at that work ethic, I mean, Brian Flores has worked his whole life. Eric Spolcher started as uh, working in the film room, just stacks and stacks of VHS tapes, and he won two championships. He's going back to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, there's just something about that special work ethic. And I mean, it's not like it's different than, you know, hearing that Adam Gates is asking his wife if he can leave moments after his child was born to go back and hang out with Peyton Manning. I think these are two completely different things just on how they do things. I think the way Flores treats people, I think the way he gets the most out of them is something we have not seen in Miami in such a long time. And that's just so respectable. So I think that's really what it boils down to is that work ethic. I'm I'm sold on it. Nothing can beat hard work. That's why the Patriots have been a dynasty for 20 years. Teddy Bruschi's on ESPN talking about it all the time. When they, when I forget, Lane Johnson of the Philadelphia Eagles mentioned that I had more fun winning in Philly than I bet anyone did winning in New England. There's some truth to that. But New England won a bunch more Super Bowls. And it's that work ethic that it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But at the end of the day, it's going to be fun and you're going to be rewarded. That is the culture I think Brian Flores has brought. And I think that's the culture that other Patriots coaches in the past have struggled with. But I think it's just working. 
Just he is a living example of born and raised in Brooklyn. Things haven't been easy for him, but he can relate to a lot of people. Josh, I mean, <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, man, I'm, I'm excited for this season. Thanks for listening, everyone here on the Finsider Radio. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave that five-star review. Give us your comments. We're interested in your thoughts. Uh, let's wrap it up here, Josh. Game thoughts. Let's get into it. One o'clock Sunday, we'll be glued to the couch, all eyes in Foxborough as the Dolphins face the Patriots. Uh, basically, what it boils down to me, I think this is the first game Cam Newton has played. Well, we know this is the first game Cam Newton has played in a long time. We need to go out and strike early. I truly see this as a winnable game for the Dolphins, and I think the defense can do a lot of the heavy lifting, especially against an uh, offense that doesn't really have a lot of great receivers, uh, a lot of question marks in the running game, and a big question mark at quarterback in Cam Newton, despite I'm actually rooting for him. I'd love to see him have a strong season. The truly outcome, truly only outcome I don't see happening is the Dolphins running away with it. And as much as you know, I said at the top, I want to hype it up, I'm going to still be a realist about it. I'm not sure Bill Belichick really lets a week one blowout happen. I can see the Patriots blowing out the Dolphins just for the sake of I'm a 26-year-old Dolphin fan and my big, my one playoff, uh, two playoff memories are the Wildcat and then getting roasted and then the Adam Gase here and getting roasted. You know, So I'm not confident that the Dolphins can go into New England and win in this big blowout. But I truly think a 24-20 to 20 Dolphins win is in the realm of possibilities, and I think it's got the highest chance of happening. What, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, I love where your head's at. And I, I mean, th- this is what we do every year, especially week one. And in this, you know, unprecedented 2020 season, why not be hyped up and why not feel like you can just go in there more than ever and, you know, get this win? So I'm, I'm right with you there. I, I don't see, like you said, the Dolphins going up there and blowing them out. Because I think the only time that's ever happened, again, like you said, was that Wildcat game. But I think that's kind of where things have to go. And it has to be all about the run game. And we mentioned it throughout this entire thing. I think the Dolphins got to use that rebuilt offensive line. Their newly found Batman and Robin, a.k.a. Thunder and Lightning, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, pound the ball down the Patriots' throat. Expose that defense. We know how many players they've lost this offseason. You touched on it earlier in this podcast. Expose that defense. Expose the middle of the field. Set up the pass by using the run and just go out there and, you know, dominate both lines of scrimmage. Uh, I think both teams are going to be rusty. I mean, we can't sit here and say, you know, it's going to be this picture perfect game because we know what these teams are dealing with. I think they've had one month of practice, you know, not a lot of them were padded. It's it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I'm looking at this as maybe, you know, as competitive as one of those week three preseason games where you're really into it for that first half. And then, I mean, I mean, think if that game carried into the second half and that's kind of what, how I see this going. I do think Cam Newton's going to have a, a bounce back year. I think he landed in the perfect situation with Belichick. But, you know, week one again in 2020 without ever playing football in God knows how many months days you know Cam Newton's been out of action for a long time and when he did play you know he was still beat up he still looked like he had a noodle arm Cam Newton's got to go out there and and reestablish himself get a feel for the game it's going to take some time I don't see him doing it against this defense 17-14 Dolphins that's that's my final prediction I did have to I I looked it up and the Dolphins hold the series uh have a 56 to 53 series record against the New England Patriots that includes uh two and one Miami in the playoffs so that's it's pretty big this is a huge game and again what happens in week 1 i mean it's going to set up the AFC East you know for the remainder of the season because everyone thinks this is Buffalo's chance to run away with the division only now are some people starting to talk about Miami if they go up there and they beat New England back to back you know they did it week 17 um, we remember the Mike Jasicki looking to the fans, telling them to sh- shush. You know, we're not going to have the fans in attendance here. But if the Dolphins go up there and beat New England again, that's going to be huge for uh, for Brian Flores, and it's going to be huge for what they hope to accomplish in 2020. That AFC East is really looking like a defensive-minded uh, division. The Bills face the Jets week one. I think the Bills are going to kind of, you know, maybe like a 23 to 10. I, I just don't think the Jets offense is going to do too much. We kind of know what Adam Gase is at this point. Sam Darnold can really come out and surprise us all and become that franchise quarterback. I think that is in the realm of possibilities, but I'm not entirely sure we see that week one against Buffalo. So 
I think that week two matchup, you know, you see the Bills and the Dolphins maybe at one and one each, and then you have a defensive uh, showcase in that week two. And all the, if the Dolphins start two and zero going into Jacksonville, dude, I'm going to be losing my mind about how hyped I'm about this team, and, and the sky is going to be the limit because then you could start looking against the games like uh, against the Broncos, who are at, without Bradley Chubb, who are without Von Miller, and I mean, again. I can I can lead this hype train all the way to the playoffs, but I'm going to try my darnest to take one uh, week at a time until that point. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this. I mean, as you can hear from both of us, we're excited to get the season rolling. And what makes football so special is that no matter what's going on for, you know, three hours after that opening kickoff, I mean, we're focusing on fantasy, we're focusing on our Miami Dolphins, and we're focusing on having a very fun Sunday. So keep us in the loop with how you guys are doing. We love to chat with you guys. Finally, one more time, I know we've been plugging a lot, at jmendel94 for myself and at Houts on Twitter. Be sure to stomp that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're enjoying that show, please, please, please hit us with that five-star review. It helps us so much. Leave a comment. We'll be sure to read those on the show. We'll be sure to share your thoughts because that's what the show is all about. It's for Dolphin fans by Dolphin fans. Thank you so much for everyone for listening to the show. And Josh, it is game week, baby. Fins up. It's game week. Let's go, baby. Fins up. Dolphins are beating the Patriots. Huge week. Let's go, baby. Miami, 17-14. Fins up. Send it in. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air. We're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.